Hi, and welcome to season five of Business Book Talk. Hope you're going to enjoy this new season. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned. So let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. I got another book in front of me, of course. This one by Stephen Lake, PhD. Talk to me. How to Communicate with Women. And I got to read the subtext here. Uh, tuning up your relationship. That relationship. Tuning up your relationship. Tone down the fights. Dodge divorce. And have sex more than once a year. And I tell you, that's worth the price of the book right there. Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I'm prostituting it. Literally. No, no. It's, uh, they're great sub subheads. And you know what? I've been going through the book and... I think it's true. You know, if you're better at communicating, you're going to have a better relationship and ultimately um, the negotiation or discussion about, hey, I'm feeling a little horny today. Can we go have some sex? Would be a nice thing to be able to say instead of hanging around saying, geez, I hope somebody comes on to me later tonight. (laughs) Anyways, Stephen. Let's right. let's talk about the book and uh, the ramifications of bad communication. And you know, we we had a little other discussion over at uh, his office the other day, and we were talking about like, is it applicable for business? And I think it's very applicable for business because a lot of the things you learn about communication, being open and using proper vocabulary or understanding your vocabulary a little bit more, uh, makes a big difference in, in communicating what you need other businesses to do for you. And obviously, uh, building proper relationships uh, on a business level. But before we get into any of that stuff, I wanted to ask you, Stephen, why did you feel this book was needed? Well, I work as a psychotherapist as well as a corporate trainer. In my private practice, I often had a lot of uh, couples coming to see me. And the biggest complaint I got from the women was, he doesn't know how to communicate. So I would uh, take the time and you know teach them some basic communication skills and all that stuff. But that takes time. And after a while, I kind of got a little fed up with that. I said, geez, you know, if I just had a book I could give them and they could go home and read it and then come back and see me. And uh, that's eight long years ago I started to write that book and finally <laughs> I got it done. So that's sort of where the origins of the, uh, that book came from. You know, you, you made a good uh, point. Uh, the difference between the way women communicate or like to be communicated to is probably a better term, um, and the way men communicate. Uh, can you give us an example of that? Uh, sure. I mean, men tend to be in like uh, more direct communication, and women uh, use more indirect communication. And we'll talk maybe later about as to why that occurs. Mm. Uh, an example would be uh, you're sitting at home. And uh, your wife or partner goes, gee, what's that funny smell, dear? Meaning, the garbage stinks, take it out. And the guy will respond, oh, I don't know, the garbage, I guess. And that's it. <laughs> right? So he's not, he's not uh, looking at what's the inference to her communication is. So guys like direct, so the guy would pr- prefer if she had said, honey, the garbage stinks, can you take it out now? Mm. And he go, oh, then he can answer, you know, yes, no, or whatever. But he knows exactly what she's communicating. Well, and, and I think you made a, a, a very good point. You also put a time, you put a deadline on it, like now. I need it done now. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember how many times I was frustrated when, when uh, my wife 
came to me or actually uh, um, somebody I was working with in, in on a project and they don't give me a deadline. So I mm. said, oh, it's obviously it's not important. And then three days later, they're freaking out. I said, but how come that's not done? Said, well, you didn't tell me you needed it done. I right. can clear some stuff. I can get it done for you right away. So I think a lot of it is lazy communication and uh, this thing where you know what you're trying to communicate in your brain and you, 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 know, you tell something, oh, I need to do this, blah, blah, blah. But the way they perceive it and the uh, clues you use in, in your language, they don't get or, or they need specific targeting things. So how do you, um, how do you learn that, that secret or how do you communicate with somebody on that level? Well, it's really knowing that there's different communication styles, generally speaking, between men and women. We're trained differently. Women are trained that the relationship is paramount. Okay? Guys are trained that action and getting things done is paramount. So when guys are communicating with guys, generally speaking, that's not an issue. Mm. And when women are speaking with women, that's not a problem. It's when men and women are communicating because we're coming from different orientations and different purposes as to what our communication is about. For men, for example, our communication is almost always about establishing status and dominance. All right? Women is about establishing relationship. Mm. That's a very different place to be coming from. All right? And so how we communicate that, so a man never likes to feel or look in a one-down position. So we end up with things like on the negative side of that, we never ask directions, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I know how to get there, you know. I, I'll find it somehow because he doesn't want to admit being in one town. Whereas a woman would say, just ask Bob here at the gas station, you know, and we'll find out. Uh, so that's a quick example as to where that can become problematic that not everyone can appear in a one-down position. Hmm. Now, um, there's not just two differences, male and female. There must be um, degrees as well. Of course, it's all in a continuum. Uh, and also cultural differences mm-hmm. are important. So uh, a good one, a cultural difference, a good example is uh, professors at university. Uh, in North America, professors, it's, o- it's okay for us to say, well, we don't know. We'll, we'll cert- research that and come back to you with an answer when a student asks us a question. In an Asian culture, that never happens. Mm. The professor, male typically, knows everything and would never not appear not to know. Mm-hmm. So cultural differences also play into this. I once, I once had a, a lawyer as a client, and uh, he was from China. <laughs> cultural differences. So he comes here, and he was brought to me because he's having trouble at work. Uh, he was telling the secretary, who happened to be female, what to do. And, of course, she looked at him like, well, you know, screw that. <laughs> you know, you ask me for what to do. Mm. And he just could not figure it out. He says, you know, over there, you know, I'm a lawyer. You're a secretary. There's a status issue. You just do what I say without question. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, that doesn't work. You have to have a relationship. So culture plays a big influence in our, our styles. Hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how to handle the book. You know, we've got the book. We'll open it up. Should I read from cover to cover? Can I read the introduction and then kind of skip around it? What's the best way to get the most out of the book? Well, I think, you know, because I wrote it, the best way is to go from beginning to end and read the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually just reread it uh, the other night. uh, And I thought, damn, you know, this book is good. And uh, 
the beginning kind of gives you some basic hints of how to use the book. So mm -hmm. I think that's important. Uh, then if you wanted to skip to sort of the uh, later chapters would have the specific uh, information on how to communicate uh, and advance communication skills, you could do that. But I definitely read the beginning. That orients you and gives you tips on how to use the book most effectively. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of ironic because the, your first chapter is, why read this book? Which yeah. is, you know, I've never seen a book that basically says, hey, why are you opening me up and reading me? So I think that's really awesome. Um, and it's, you've broken it down to many, many different chapters. So it's almost like you've got these nice bite-sized approaches to different topics, um, mm. you know, like the action plan, advanced communication skills, what do you want? I mean, just by reading the uh, the titles of the different chapters, you get a pretty good idea of what to do, and then it's like, you know what? I'm great at, I know what I want, but mm. Mm, maybe I need some advanced communication skills. You can uh, skip to chapter 11, read that, and then from within that chapter, you go like, ah, oh, hang on. Now I re realize that uh, maybe I don't know what I want or I have mm -hmm. to be a little bit more clear because I have to be more aware of the people that I'm communicating to. Yeah, yeah. What about Myers-Briggs and all those tests that we do at, at uh, offices to get through HR? Yeah. How Are, are they uh, a good tool to, to bring into, place, uh, into play when doing more advanced communication as, you know, as a cheat sheet, or is it better just to sit down and try and figure the person out? Well, I think learning the basic uh, styles and differences between men and women is critical because you, if you don't have those and you try to overlay it on top of sort of more advanced information, say personality types, mm. it's just still not going to work. I mean, you, you, you may have a, a clear idea of where you're going wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't have the basic skills to apply it, well, you, you know, mm. you're putting a Band-Aid on an open wound, you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. You've got you to stitch the wound closed first. Well, and that's a good metaphor because things do fester, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it might have been a scratch at the beginning, and now it's, uh, it's a major problem. And uh, dealing with communication and uh, with people's feelings in an office or, you know, even if you're a, a, like a small business and dealing with like five or ten clients and that's all the people you have to deal with, if you can't do a good job with those people, you're eventually going to piss them off and either you're going to get fired, you won't advance in the organization, or you're going to lose your client. So it is, you know, it's pretty bottom line thinking, good communication. And I kind of find it shocking how poor some business people are at communicating there. And maybe that's me not understanding that that's their communication style. I find, and I don't want to sound like prejudice here, uh, but I find... Uh, certain um, personalities or, or mm -hmm. very obnoxious. Like they're very type yeah. A personality, do that and right. you know, just do that. And right. if I know they're wrong because mm -hmm. they're, they're outside of their skill set, but they're still, they've got this dominance thing and they have to, you kind of got to cow down to them. As soon as you deal with them on that level, then they like you, but the problem is then they have this domineering effect and they can really screw yeah. up a project. Absolutely. Uh, an example of sort of that um, domineering effect, um, I'm just trying to think right now uh, which one to use. Uh, here's an example. Uh, a doctor. Uh, so he is going to be communicating with a nurse. The nurse is just being, the nurse is stereotypical female in mm -hmm. this case, and she's been dealing with uh, a family 
the husband's just died in the hospital, and uh, the family's crying. And the nurse has been, had been looking after this family and the uh, patient for quite a while. And she got close to them. And she was, as she was consoling the family, she too was crying. The doctor comes by, male, and just reams her out because she's crying and can't be doing her job effectively. Mm. So here you have two totally different perspectives clashing. You know, this, uh, the nurse is actually being beneficial and helpful to her patients in relating and they're appreciating it. And he's coming from that, you know, patriarchal, he's in a power position, male orientation, that you can't have emotions and be effective. Mm-hmm. Well, you can, I would suggest, in this particular case. <laughs> right? And now often we hear this complaint, you know, uh, we've done research, doctors who are sort of, you know, officious and, you know, just, uh, you know, the information, they don't get the information they need from doctors who establish a relationship mm-hmm. with, the, with the patient. Because I used to teach in medical school, and that was one of the things we were uh, teaching the, the doctor the about to be doctors mm. was how to uh, pull information from clients, patients, because they can be really uh, careful in what they say. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's it may be to their detriment not to share everything, they won't share everything to someone they have no connection to. Mm-hmm. Yep, they just, they just don't. And when there's tons of research to support this. So um, it's important to establish relationship. And of course, that's why I think a lot of middle managers now, uh, women are starting to dominate in that area mm-hmm. because they have good people skills, right? Because nurturance and relationship and caring is how they're brought up, mm-hmm. generally, generally speaking, compared to men. Where that's, that's a secondary uh, aspect of our upbringing. Yeah, it's it's almost like, you know, being conscious, like because we're in a totally different business world now from 20, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. where uh, a, a female colleague has exactly the same rights as a male colleague of the same skill set and background. So working with them, though, they are different. And um, like a female manager tends to be really good at getting the job done, really good at the detail. Things do not fall through the cracks. But a lot of times you can kind of get into it becomes homey uh, mm. for, for use of a better word and everybody's satisfied, but things aren't moving forward fast enough. And then you can bring in a more aggressive male uh, style manager and saying, hey, I need this done. And then they kind of disrupt the environment, push things forward. They may piss people off, but things get done rewards are handed out because you've grown the company and then you kind of go into another stage where you need to, to um, nurture the company and nurture the people. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get this this algorithm of, of usage of, of managers and the, the reason uh, I have that theory is I read an amazing book about using CEOs for specific lifespans of a company uh-huh. and, and that's a really tough thing. If you're a CEO, it's, oh, they get paid so much money. But they only get paid – it's like a professional sports person. They get paid a, a lot of money to do a certain job, and then when that job is not leading, they're out of there. They don't last forever. It's not like you work for a company for 50 years. It's right. like you're there for three to five years maximum, and then they bring in a different type of person. So I'm just curious, understanding the way women think and communicate and understanding the way uh, guys think and communicate – 
do you think that has value in uh, the HR department and in deciding how a person will grow within an organization? Well, the example you gave, I find that fascinating. Mm. And given what you just said, yeah, I think HR could use that to their advantage. And uh, I know some very aggressive, uh, forward-leaning women who get job jobs done. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful that we don't use that uh, bias, that male-female split and difference to cloud our thinking if we're making those kind of decisions mm-hmm. based on the uh, objectives we're trying to achieve, that we have to really look at, at the, uh, the candidate in front of us to make sure what's the style they use and what kind of leader are they. Um, there's a <laughs> interesting uh, little story here about uh, uh, two types of uh, people coming in to the CEO and, and how he makes decisions on which project to go ahead on. Mm. He makes decisions on the presenter's level of confidence. Well, automatically that biases his decisions, generally speaking, towards men. Because women, when they're presenting, uh, they tend to be uh, a little more subtle. They tend to be not so uh, assertive. They tend not to be so confident or boastful. Whereas the guy comes in and is like, yeah, this is the best damn project going. We should do it. And this is a CEO. So he's making uh, choices really clouded. He's got uh, rose-colored glasses, if you will, to Mm -hmm. confidence. So if he sees confidence, he goes with it, not realizing that a woman's presentation, generally speaking, may not be as assertive, but doesn't mean it's not better. Mm -hmm. may indeed be a a better presentation. Hmm. Well, and, and, you know, I was just thinking there that if you're going to pitch a project, it might be best to have both those personalities pitching the project where and you kind of explain it at the beginning of the project and, and say, hey, I'm going to be presenting the overall push mm. where we're going, the goals. But mm. then Donna here, she's going to come in and fill in a couple of the gaps so you can see the uh, the ROI or you can see the timeline and stuff. And, and, and then you can switch back and forth. I love doing presentations where you have two totally different personality types. If you have, I've, I've done presentations with... Uh, in creative director position where you kind of have two creative director Mm. position Mm -hmm. people and they're both basically pitching the same style the same way and the client gets frustrated because they say yeah but what about these little details and you're saying don't worry about that stuff it'll be great we'll figure that out later and the reason they're asking it is they really need to know to make the decision to move forward right Uh, in psychotherapy for example when I'm doing group work Mm. we almost always try to have a male and female present together in the groups Mm. Because we're coming from different positions, we're coming from different experiences in life, and we can give a a much broader perspective on any typical issue. Mm -hmm. And it's great because sometimes my partner and I will be having discussions. We might have even a slight difference of opinion, but that's great because then we're also modeling for uh, the clients how to manage differences of opinions as Mm -hmm. well. That you one can be inclusive just because someone has a difference of opinion doesn't mean yours is not valid. Exactly, right? and that's a real different and difficult concept for uh, many men to get because we're trained in we have to win the argument at all costs. Yeah, well, the ability to step away from your ego is mm-hmm. a very, very you know it's a very powerful. Uh, 
skill set to have uh, because number one, it'll it'll enable you to lose fights with, with without losing the ba- you know lose the battle but don't lose the war. Exactly, yeah. and I talk about that in that book. I said if if you want to always win your fights with your partner, uh, become a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, winning if you're winning all the fights in your relationship, you've got a problem going on. Well, I've got a question here. Is it mm-hmm. better to let your wife win all the time? Uh, <laughs> just to like let you know, say, like, oh, okay, fine, you win. I don't care. As long as we're not arguing anymore. I, I feel that for me, I'm much more comfortable doing that. But in the long run, is that uh, a bad thing to be doing? Yeah, I don't think that works in the long run because mm-hmm. you use you either get complacent or resentful. Mm-hmm. So it's important. Uh, I think you have to pick your battles. Uh, I don't think everything is you know worth fighting about. I think it's important to communicate your feelings about something and your thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't agree, that doesn't mean you can't go along with the other person. Right? But you don't have to make it an issue. Uh, and there and there are some things where it's, you do need to put your foot down and say, hey. I can't do that, or I feel really uncomfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because if you're always just giving in because you just don't want to have the, uh, the fight, I, I think that's a no-win situation in the long run. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you, you, uh, the language you used there was very interesting when you were describing it, um, because I, I don't think your average guy um, that is male-dominant in his personality mm-hmm. um, communicates the feeling part of it. They say, right. I don't want to do that. And walks away or right. and puffs up aggressively because that's how they deal with the emotion. The emotion gets stuck in their chest. The chest sticks mm-hmm. out. And, and that instead of it's like, honey, I don't want to do that because it makes me feel really uncomfortable. I don't mm-hmm. want to wear a tutu to work. You know. uh, so really what is missing in a lot of the communication is the, the feminine nuance and, and it's lost to the woman. That then, yeah. then she bridles up and says, oh, he's being aggressive again. What an asshole. Why can't he communicate? I think I'll just sort of step back a little bit sure. here yeah, and yeah. go to the definition of communication, which is to su- succeed in conveying information or evoking understanding. Mm. And I think the guys were better at information mm-hmm. and women, generally speaking, at evoking understanding. Mm-hmm. And if we can sort of meld those two, that they're both necessary so that we're giving information. And, and all information is embedded in emotion anyways. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we, we, we buy, uh, how does that go? We, we buy an emotion and we justify with logic. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and car dealers know this. <laughs> you know, so even though guys say, oh, no, no, that was a rational decision. Bullshit. It was shiny. It goes fast. Yes. It makes me feel powerful. Mm-hmm. Right, but no, and hey, it's got a 425 cubic hemi, you know, blah blah blah. You know, we'll justify it that way. So, <laughs> so, so we delude ourselves, men. I think delude ourselves into thinking that we don't have an emotional component in our decision making. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. actually a part in the brain that an emotional part that if you actually destroy that, you actually can't make decisions, even though your thinking part of your brain is still intact. So all choice. Is emotionally based. Hmm. Now that's pretty amazing concept to think about. So you basically, when you say destroy, you mean that part of the brain is is damaged or or doesn't yes. function anymore. That's right. So you've had a, say a stroke in that area. What's the clinical word for that? It's probably a big fancy word, isn't it? <laughs> you mean for that inability to make a choice? Yeah. 
There isn't a term for that specifically. Oh, really? No. I guess they haven't decided yet. Oh, but joying. Sorry, I just <laughs> had to throw that one in. Yeah. Uh, I wanted it's to... A, go ahead. I said it's a pretty rare case, mm-hmm. but it really uh, gave uh, impetus to the idea that your choices are actually based... There's emotional issues underneath that that are driving your choices, all of your choices. You know, your choice uh, to get into business or your choice to make money or whatever it is, there's often not only a survival reason, but there's often an emotional push to you mm-hmm. for, the, for those uh, choices you make. Well, I think it's also... Um you get this, get into reward loops where uh, mm-hmm. you get these surreal entrepreneurs and the reason that surreal entrepreneurs isn't because they're great entrepreneurs, it's because they just like to start a new project. And they're very difficult to work uh, under because uh, you, they may have a large project that they're working on, but within that large project, there are hundreds or maybe tens of thousands of micro projects that they're all over at the very beginning and then they'll step away from and then get excited about something else. It's like, this is what we're going to do. And then suddenly, oh, squirrel. And then they're, yeah. and they're, they're, they're stuck in these, um, these well, reward are, loops. Yeah, some people are really good at startups, mm-hmm. but they're not good at managing it's a different skill set. Yeah. Well, and also maybe a, a, a different emotional uh, mm-hmm. stimulus as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because starting up a company is exciting for most of us anyways. I've started up quite a few myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the survival part that gets humdrum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a day-to-day manager. i got to hire a manager. <laughs> and some people actually like doing that stuff, which just blows my mind, right? <laughs> right. Hey, to each their own, as they say. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I want to talk about uh, people in the, in the office because we have a, a, a very, uh, very... Uh, environment. Well, it's probably always been there, but now it's way more open. Um, when you're dealing with somebody in your office that is obviously gay, uh, mm-hmm. do you, if it's a guy and they're they're very effeminate, is it better to communicate to them as if they were a woman? And it kind of sounds strange, but really, I mean, because it's kind of a weird mix there, isn't it? That's an interesting uh, question you proposing there bob i've i've worked with gay people for almost 40 years Mm -hmm. i treat them as people yeah uh and i know some gay men who if i treated them like women would probably punch me in the face (laughs) (laughs) well let me rephrase it not you know but but you know stepping back from that if i'm you know if i read this book and i've got a certain knowledge base to say i have to communicate to women using these techniques to uh, do a better job as a manager right. or, or right. whatever right. how do, do I communicate to somebody that's more effeminate mm-hmm. uh, w- with the, my, my women communication tools to be more effective not to be prejudiced or anything oh he's yeah, gay yeah. so I'm going to talk yeah. to him as well but it's like right. I need to communicate better so if they get that and they understand it's almost like talking to the different personality types people that are uh, a little bit ADHD you mm-hmm. cannot just walk into their office and say hey I got an idea let's do this they, they can't handle it you got to make a call you tell them what the meeting's going to be about they can spend a couple hours researching right. then when right. you go in you have a discussion and they don't tell you anything and then you come back two three days later and then they give this amazing report and not a lot of people understand that each different personality type in an office has to be if you're in a perfect office scenario which doesn't right. exist right. every single person you kind of treat differently how you communicate with 
Yeah, I always the analogy I use is like being a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, with some with some people on the team, you got to kick their butts. With others, you got to coddle them. Everyone is different, and I think if you have you know a gay person, you have to see what kind of person they are and what mm-hmm. skill sets work best for them. So if they respond better to say a more feminine communication style, yeah. If you have that in your repertoire, then you can use it. Yeah. And if they don't. Fine, you just sort of use your general male-to-male communication style. Mm-hmm. So or, the more, more tools you have in your bag, the better you're going to be at communicating with people no matter where they're coming from. Yeah, and I guess one of the biggest tools in that bag would be the ability to step back and say, okay, what type of personality am I dealing with? What type of skill sets am I dealing with? And be able to abstract that a little bit? Yeah, I, I tend not to try to prefigure that. I tend to sort of uh, make that assessment as I'm communicating with the person mm-hmm. because I can't really make that assessment until I see what the response is like to my uh, output. Mm-hmm. Right? Otherwise, I'm creating a whole story and then they might just blow that off in the first second yeah. by whatever, however they respond. Yeah. So I try to make that assessment as, as an ongoing assessment. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and people respond differently at different times of what's going on in their lives, right? So someone's just, you know, their mother's just died, I might respond to them very differently than if they're sort of, uh, you know, they've just won their, their basketball tournament, uh, you know, with the guys and they're coming in and they're all, you know, driven with their adrenaline rush and they're excited and happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I can treat that person very differently. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you used the word assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, um, you know, because you're a, good at this man this is this is your life and stuff but for the mm-hmm. average person has no idea how to read people you go and you sit mm-hmm. and, and like it starts at the job interviews but let's say you've got the job and you're being introduced to a new manager a new co-worker mm-hmm. and stuff like that how do you sit down and assess them you can't say hey it's lie down on my couch here I'm just going right. to assess you here mm-hmm. what what conversation cues are you looking for what type of uh, topics should you be talking about and how can you analyze those to kind of get an uh, for those type of skills? Well, I guess I, I'd listen. I would yeah. say, you know, in my book, I talk about that. One of the key things for any guy in relationship with, with women is to be able to stop, look, and listen. Mm-hmm. So you got to, you know, in relationship with your partner, if you're doing an activity, i.e. like watching TV, and she comes to speak to you, you need to stop watching TV, mm-hmm. you know, and look, look her in the eyes, right? And then listen to what she has to say. If uh, men did that, half the arguments would disappear right there. <laughs> Just from that very simple little you know, phrase, stop, look, and listen. It's mm-hmm. like what we, we were taught when we were crossing the road when we were children, right? Mm-hmm. Stop, look, and listen. So you don't get run over. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so going back to the manager, so you're going in there, I would listen. And listen to his way of speaking. Mm-hmm. So if he's very directive, okay, Bob, this is what I want you to do. Here's the plan. This is the no, 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 no. He's coming from this really powerful, you know, choppy way of communicating. You go, oh, he's kind of this sort of personality. He wants action. He wants results. He wants, uh, you know, he may say he wants clear communication as well. So he's sort of keeping tabs on you. And you kind of get a, a hit, you know, in a very few minutes of his style of interacting mm-hmm. right now if you go in he goes hi bill 
how is it today? You know, I, my cousin from Florida was here. They have this slow way of speaking. Everything is easy. You know, they take their time. And you realize, oh, okay, this is a different way, a different personality type, mm-hmm. right? And so things might be different. And then I would say ask questions. Mm-hmm. So um, what works best for you, sir? You know, it's like, you know, this or that. Do you want reports a lot or do you, you know, you want me just to do my thing and then come back with the results? So you're also uh, inquiring as to what their needs are. Mm-hmm. And that's a, now that I say that, that's important. And in the book, I talk about that. Ask. If you don't know what your partner wants or your manager, ask. This is tough for guys because mm-hmm. the minute you ask, you appear as not knowledgeable, which puts you in a one down. And one, And men do not want to appear in a one down position. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. Uh, you know, whether it's from uh, negotiating salary to uh, status within the organization, uh, but it has negative effects. An example of that is, again, in the hospital situation um, where if you don't ask questions, you know, your patient's life could be on the line. And uh, interns often will not ask uh, supervisors you know, critical questions. And this one, and this is how it goes against them if they do. This was a female intern, and she was the best of this particular group of interns. She was obviously the most knowledgeable and the most capable. She also happened to ask the most questions. So when a, uh, an opportunity came for a position, the supervisor did not give her a good uh, rating. And so she went to the supervisor and said, you know, why didn't I get a good rating? And he said, you ask too many questions. Uh-huh. And she's like stunned, right? It's like, so that went against her mm-hmm. because she appeared as not knowledgeable, mm. right? So, and it, so it's, it's one of the things I say to my uh, students in my graduate uh, class that I teach. I say, for me, there's no such thing as a stupid question. You know, yeah. I want people to ask. But guys will ask less questions, generally speaking, because it's about the status issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of fumble through and try and figure it out on their own. That's that's right. They'll do their own research. They'll talk to you know somebody outside the business and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword that one. Um, what uh, to, you know to go slightly off topic here? Well, not off topic because we're talking about the book, obviously. Um, for you, when you were researching and writing the book and putting it, you know, down into to mm. the, the pages, what was your aha moment? What was a what was the thing that crystallized for you in the book? Your biggest learning. My biggest learning was the idea of coming from love, and uh, that's just so important in an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. So, because I I noticed that my relationship goes off track in the communication area when I'm not in my love space. You know, when I'm in my you know, anger space, or I'm in my uh, revenge space, or I'm in my I've been hurt so bad space, (laughs) you know, you know, my communication skills start to, uh, you know, go down, you know, and then always coming back, it's like, hold on, what's important here? Mm. You know, my relationship is important, and I want to get back into that state of caring for each other. And you know how it is often when you have an argument and then you work it through, you go, what the heck are we arguing about anyways? Mm-hmm. You know, and something just triggered. Uh, so that was a big aha moment for me. And that's why I even put uh, something from the uh, the Bible in there about love, you know. Mm-hmm. Love, is pa- love is patient, love is kind, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And to just to really be in touch with that. Also, and also when you're in arguments, the, you know, to use the serenity prayer. 
<laughs> that helps. <laughs> Count to ten a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's actually. I'd like to discuss the counting to ten a little bit. Um, why does counting to ten work so well? When you have a strong emotional reaction, blood is flowing to the part of your brain called the amygdala. And you're having this emotion, and it's literally not going to the part of your brain that thinks. Mm. So it actually is harder to think if you have a very strong emotional reaction. So counting to 10 changes the physiology. You, so you take deep breaths, you count to 10, you're slowing your heart rate, you're slowing your physiology, and blood is then able to go back to the parts of your brain that think. And you need to think. We used to teach this in prison when I taught. Uh, worked in prison as well to mm-hmm. the guys because they're so used to having violent reactions to the slightest cause mm-hmm. and they'd say well he looked at me funny and we're like whoa 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 <laughs> you've got like a quarter second in there between his look and you're stabbing him <laughs> yeah. you know we need to uh, use that quarter second for you to think and the first thoughts we'd often teach him was to take a breath mm-hmm. literally take a breath first <sighs> And that changes your physiology and gives you the opportunity to think, well, do I want to stab him? What would be the consequences of stabbing him? Because these guys often don't think of consequences mm-hmm. for their actions, right? So, so teaching them that. Well, I think a lot of businesses don't uh, have a lot of consequences. That, that, you know, think about the consequences of a, of a specific move because they get too caught up in the emotion of the mm. decision or the excitement mm. of, oh, we're moving forward, or I was at a trade show and I saw this thing, so, oh, let's pivot and do something totally different. Mm-hmm. If it's analyzed and it makes sense and you've had a logical discussion about it, sure, move forward, but don't be jumping all over the game board uh, on emotional whims. How do you communicate to people that are kind of hardwired that way? Um... Well, I, if someone is trying to make a decision based solely on emotion, I'm going to want to uh, listen to them, acknowledge their excitement, because you know, excitement is a very powerful uh, motivator, and you need excitement to drive a project forward, mm-hmm. right? Because you want to get other people on board, you want to get the whole team working together, and using that energy, that means coming to work, can be fun, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to, you know, dull and depressing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if, if someone's coming to me and they're all excited about this this new shiny object or this new ways, you said, "Well, oh, let's pivot and do this." You know, then I'm going to say, "Okay, that sounds really exciting. I can tell that you're really excited about this. What I want you to do now is go and do some research and come back to me with the facts that are going to support or the arguments that are going to support the direction that you want to go, and then we'll analyze that." So, in other words, I wouldn't sort of sort of slam them down. And you get this in businesses between salespeople or marketing people and accountants. Mm-hmm. The accountant's job is to not spend money. Yeah. Right? The marketing salespeople, let's spend as much as we can so we can drive sales, right? Mm-hmm. And so these two are often traditionally at loggerheads. And then you have the CEO in between trying to you know, manage these two, uh, the CFO and you know, people in charge of marketing and sales. So, it's, uh, um, so that's how I do it. I would encourage their energy and direct that energy towards getting the data to support the way they'd like to go. Hmm. Now, for people that are interested in learning more about this book or would like to get a hold of the book, where do you think they should go? The easiest place to go is just go to Amazon. If you're uh, in Canada, Amazon.ca, and 
because of the pricing in the book and whatnot, it's free, the shipping. The shipping is free, so that's good. Because shipping in Canada is crazy expensive. Yeah. Uh, in the States, they have a special deal for uh, any media products, so it's like two, three bucks anywhere in the States. In Canada, for me to ship in BC, it's 10 bucks. In the rest of Canada, 13 bucks to send this book. So I get it from Amazon. If you're local, as in Vancouver, and you want to uh, buy a book and get it quickly, uh, just give me a call or email me, and uh, we get a range of pickup, and I'll even give it to you cheaper. Give it to you for thirty bucks as opposed to thirty four ninety five or something like that. Will you throw in a signature? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll even <laughs> give you a signed copy. You know, so you get it cheaper with a signature. Who knows what it'll be worth on eBay? <laughs> and the place that if you want to call me, it'd be six zero four five zero five three five three six six zero four five zero five three five three six, or you can email me at dr steve at sasktel.net and that's S-A-S-K-T-E-L dot net yes I used to live in Saskatchewan <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a, like a blog or, or like a support website for the book that people can get more information on too well the, uh, the quick answer is no there is a fan page though on mm-hmm. Facebook oh okay cool uh, yeah so that's that's one thing that so that would be uh, talk to me on Facebook if you uh... yeah talk to me how to communicate with women oh okay yeah. that's a mouthful yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, so that would be yeah okay yeah. awesome um, and, and also as far as sorry just as far as general stuff and relationship stuff they could go to my website which is the relationshipguy.ca ah oh, that would be perfect yeah yeah. Uh, one last question before we go. What would you recommend to people uh, that are listening to the show right now that they can do today to improve their communication skills? I would gather some information and I'd ask their friends and or partner how they perceive them. In other words, do I communicate well? Mm-hmm. Ask that question. If they go, well, say, what areas can I improve my communication in? Mm. And, and that, you know, the people who know you the best will give you the most interesting data. Mm-hmm. And then you can decide on creating a plan and trying to improve some of the things. And don't argue. <laughs> when they say, well, you, you always cut me off. Don't go, no, I don't. Just say, <laughs> oh, really? And then write it down. And then go ask other people and sort of see. Because sometimes people communicate well in some areas of their life. Like somebody might communicate well at work, but then terribly at home. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. often our most intimate relationships are the ones that, you know, our buttons can be most easily pushed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Dr. Stephen Lake. Talk to me how to communicate with women, uh, and I would say at home, but also at the office. Uh, Check it out. It's an awesome book. Lots of amazing stuff and definitely worth checking out. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Bob. Take care. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that show, and do me a favor and tweet about it. Follow us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. We really appreciate it. See you next week. 